0: I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, Warriors. One of my favorite things about this podcast is sharing new concepts, new ideas, or reframes. Reframing something that is pervasive in our culture is not easy, but I strive to bring you the shifts in perspective because, as Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, The Tipping Point, if you want to bring fundamental change in people's belief and behavior you need to create a community around them where those new beliefs can be practiced, expressed, and nurtured. Yes, we are a community. Whether you're a podcast listener or you've done the Warrior Women Mastermind or my 12-week program, Limitless Warrior, we are here together learning, growing, and expanding. My guest today may seem like an unlikely abortion rights activist, But her ideas and her book are changing the way people are thinking about abortion. As I told her on the podcast, this is not a blame game. It's a reframe. Buckle up, ladies, because this is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had on this show. Let me know what you think of this episode by DMing me on the podcast, Instagram, or Facebook. Remember, if you're looking for a jumpstart to get back into the work of you, try my Warrior Women 30-Day Challenge. The link is in the bio. Let's get to it, but first. Ladies, money is not a dirty word. It's a great word. And I'm thrilled to tell you that the Broad Network is launching the Wealthy Women Summit, or WEWO. The WEWO Summit is not your typical conference with lanyards and cold coffee. Hosted by the Bra Network on August 25th and 26th, 2022, On the Sir Winston Yacht in Long Beach, the Wealthy Women's Summit is for anyone looking to expand their wealth in mind, body, health, leadership, business, and community. Join us for two impactful days where we'll dive into the concept that wealthy living is a mindset and commitment to a value of your own self-worth. You can learn more and get tickets at wewo summit.com. That's W E W O summit.com. Let's talk about money and let's be wealthy women together. Today on the show, Gabrielle. Stanley Blair. She created an award-winning blog in 2006 called Design Mom, I'm sure you guys know about it, which is still going strong 16 years later. She then wrote a New York Times bestselling book, founded a popular conference called the Alt Summit, wrote many viral Twitter threads which God knows, entertained me, moved to France and is now raising six kids while renovating a house from the 1600s. Her next book, which is the reason why she's here, people, Ejaculate Responsibly, a Whole New Way to Think About Abortion, is out on October 4th. I've already pre ordered and it's available for pre-order now. And I just don't think you're doing enough, Gabrielle. I really, you think you lazy. Welcome to the show,
1: Gabrielle. Liz, I'm so so glad to be here. Thank you, thank you for asking me. And I know it's morning for you, it's evening for me. I appreciate you making this work, timelines. Well, first of
0: all, God bless
1: you. You're in France.
0: I that's where I would like to be. I just came <laughs> back from a month in Italy and I was like, oh. what are we doing here? Oh. <laughs> What is this life? I need to live (laughs) Italian life. Listen, I just told you before we even got on, I saw that you were releasing this book, Ejaculate Responsibly, A Whole New Way to Think About Abortion. I DM'd you because I literally (laughs) lost my mind. I was like, what is this book? It, It was the first time I'd seen somebody with a little humor, right? But also really actually delving into like what is this issue? Like where is this abortion this fight for our reproductive rights? What where are the origins of this and is this even something that people should be doing? And what right. is you know, and so when I saw you had this book, I of course I pre-ordered right away, but I was dying to have you on. So thank you so much for agreeing so fast to come on because I was just dying to talk to you and usually people put me off like for months and I'm like <laughs> and you were like, "Okay, I'm coming." I'm like, "Yay!" So thank you. So tell me what made you write this book? Because, you know, of course, the timing is divine.
1: I'm going to start with the timing first. The timing is actually unbelievable. So I started sharing ideas, not all the ideas in the book, but some of the ideas in this book back in September of 2018. So that's like over three and a half years ago. And I've essentially been working on the book ever since. Of course, at that time, I had no idea that Roe would be overturned. I mean, it just was not even in my head. I know there was like people were guessing it might be whatever, but it just seemed like it's been established law my whole life. I just could never have guessed it. And then to have my book publication date coincide with this intense debate the country is having, I mean, I could never have guessed it in a million years, but I couldn't have planned that. So grateful because I really think this book can have an impact on the conversation. And as far as why I wrote it or what made me write it, well, I first published a Twitter thread that had some of these ideas. And it was, again, September, 2018. And it was during the Kavanaugh hearings. I don't know if you remember them. Oh, how I remember them. Very vivid in my head. And basically my memory of it or my experience of it was just man after man after man, politicians typically, grandstanding about abortion, having these, you know, saying whatever they're saying, generally being anti-abortion. and talking about women's bodies. And it was just like driving me bonkers. Like, who are these people? They don't even care about this. They're just trying to get political points. It was just maddening to me. And so I wrote a Twitter thread that really introduced the term ejaculate responsibly and it took off big. And anyway, and so I ended up turning it into a book, talking with publishers, but I could never kind of figure out like, what should this book be? What should it be? and took me some time, took me some time to figure it out, but I did, and now it's coming out and it's so good, I think you'll love it.
0: (laughs) I literally can't wait. I know in the book you make a case for moving the abortion debate away from controlling and legislating women's bodies and instead directing the focus on men's lack of accountability in preventing unwanted
1: pregnancies. Can you kind of like walk us through that a little bit so we understand? Absolutely, so one of the big arguments I make Is that 99% of abortions are due to unwanted pregnancies? Where did I get the 99%? Well, I just dug into the data, and there there are abortions due to wanted pregnancies. And you've heard of these, and they're heartbreaking. It's someone, they very much want this baby, they want this pregnancy, but then something happens to the fetus or to the mother's health, that she can't continue the pregnancy. And there are abortions again, due to wanted pregnancies, but they're a really small percentage. The best data I could find was 1%. So that means 99% of abortions are from unwanted pregnancies. And my argument is that men cause all unwanted pregnancies, which I know is a big, bold statement, but I can stand by it. And my book takes you through 28 arguments explaining why that's true and how that's true. But men cause all unwanted pregnancies. It's just a biological fact. I'm not trying to make a big exaggeration. It's just a biological fact. Ovulation is involuntary. We don't get to choose when we ovulate, when our egg is fertile. We don't have any choice around that. But ejaculation is voluntary. It's totally voluntary. Where sperm ends up is a choice and it's totally voluntary. So men impregnate, women are impregnated and men cause all unwanted pregnancies. And I know I've been discussing these, I did long enough that I know someone listening right now is like, no, 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 it takes two. Like, I know someone's <laughs> thinking that. And I wanna say, yes, it takes two people to have sex, but sex doesn't necessarily cause pregnancy. There are people having sex all over the world right this minute. And I certainly hope they're having a lovely time, But No unwanted pregnancies will occur unless a man chooses to ejaculate irresponsibly. That's just how it happens. Like two people can have sex, nothing bad will happen unless a man chooses to ejaculate irresponsibly. So if you want to say it takes two, you need to say it takes two plus sperm to cause an unwanted pregnancy. So tell me what would be a responsible ejaculation and what
0: would be an irresponsible one so we know the definition.
1: Right. So let's talk. I mean, there's, I would say, we know how, well, maybe we'll get at this too, but like we when we think of birth control, we think of women and birth control. We think of the pill, you might think of an IUD. We rarely think of men and birth control, but they do have options. So if you're using a condom, if you know how to use condoms correctly, then Planned Parenthood website says they're 98% effective. That's very, very effective. So you should be using a condom every time you have sex and that's a responsible ejaculation. And not just to prevent pregnancy, but condoms are really our only good way to prevent STIs. It, it protects both partners. Women's birth control options don't even really have that. You know, that's not a thing. Anyway, so if you're using a condom every time you have sex, that's certainly a responsible ejaculation. And I wanna caveat that with if you're using a condom correctly, you do, it does take practice. What's the right size? What's the right material? How do you like to use lubrication? But once you figure those things out, men report that that condom, you know, condom sex or non-condom sex is, feels equivalent. Like there's just not even a big difference. So something fun to practice. But the other thing you could do to ejaculate responsibly is have a vasectomy. And we have a lot of stigmas about vasectomy and I'm sure we'll get into that later, but they're awesome. And if you talk to any couple that where one of the partners has had a vasectomy it's like universal that their sex life improves because you've just taken away this huge psychological burden from the, you know, will we have an unwanted pregnancy? Will we have to make it a choice about an abortion or becoming parents? It just like removes that whole equation. It's a super effective form of birth control. It's easy. It's generally covered by insurance. It's, there are great reversal rates out there. If you had to have it reversed at some point, which we know happens, like sometimes, a man gets a new partner and decides that they want to have children again. So if you're ejaculating responsibly, you're using a condom, you've got a vasectomy or you're just saying, I'm not going to have sex unless I can do one of those two things like that. Those are your options. I mean, you can certainly ejaculate responsibly on your own and, yes, yes. and have fun doing that. That's great. Yes. But if you want to ejaculate inside a vagina, you have to have a condom on or have a vasectomy in order to ejaculate responsibly. Okay. So that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line right there. You are ejaculating
0: irresponsibly if you are right. not using a condom or you don't have a vasectomy. Right. Right. So let's talk about, it. you talked about it a little bit. There's so many stigmas around male birth control. And by the way, I remember this from freaking high school, like yeah. guys didn't want to wear a condom. It doesn't feel good. It's such yeah. a pain, you know, all these things. And they would kind of intimidate you like, you know, that you were just causing them just stress that they yeah. use a condom there's so many stigmas around birth control for men. What's your take there?
1: Well, a couple of things you're exactly right that, that you've known it even since high school. And I'm coming from a place. I mean, I'm a Mormon. I grew up a Mormon. I was not, I didn't know much about sex at all as a teenager. Like this was not even my life at all. And I still knew that no one wanted to use condoms that men were like anti-condom. Like, how would I even know that? But I did like, it's just like such a part of our culture. So the stigma is really, really deep. And it's, it's really, really harmful. It's so deep that it's like a joke. I mean, it's just like jokes around condoms, but it's not always a joke. There's sometimes something that feels sinister behind it. Like some men talk about this as if it's a conquest, that if they can convince the woman to have sex without a condom, they've made a conquest that they've somehow achieved something. And you know, the reverse of that is they might feel less manly if they can't convince her to have sex without a condom. So now they're feel like they've been diminished or emasculated. I mean, that's very problematic, that's horrible. I don't think that's true for the vast majority of men. I think the attitudes we have about condoms are mostly just this myth. Because again, if you talk to men, and I have, I've talked to so many men for these last three years and just hundreds of conversations, or probably thousands at this point, and men who have practiced with condoms all agree. It's just not a big deal. It's just not a big deal that they know the jokes. They know that they know all the same myths, but they took the time to learn how to use a condom and they're fine. It's just a non-issue. So some of this really can be solved in just talking about condoms, changing the myths, changing the dialogue. If you're a man and you found tricks that make it work for you, you found techniques, you did troubleshooting to, to decide like, This is how i figured out my size this is how i figured out i had a latex allergy or whatever it is you got to share that information but right now i don't know how many men would feel comfortable sharing that information one it's very private it's a private topic but two if the culture says using condoms is emasculating then i'm not going to go around and tell the men i know that i use condoms like if i'm a man and i don't mind condoms why am i going to brag about that if it's considered emasculating you know so So that's a big issue. And we have related myths around vasectomies that it's just a fear. Of course, it's a medical procedure. And the fear is, will I be able to get an erection after? Will it feel the same? Will I be able to ejaculate? Like, is it going to mess up my sex life in some big way? And the nice thing is, you know, talk to any urologist, anyone that performs vasectomies, and they can reassure you, they can put you in touch with other men that have had them like it's just a non-issue. Your body's going to work the same way as far as sex goes, as far as pleasure goes, it's going to be the same experience, but there's a lot of fear around that. And, and again, how do we fight that? I feel like it's, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. You know, if you've had a vasectomy, do your friends know, do you, is this something that you feel comfortable, you know, talking about in public for whatever reason, should you feel comfortable? I hope so. I hope people will feel comfortable. It's there's nothing there's not like a moral question around it. It's just a, it's like being, if I mean, if there is a moral component to it, it's that you're being more responsible. It's a positive moral connotation. So yeah, there's, there are big myths around it and they're really harmful. They're really harmful and we joke about it or we try and laugh about it or we just accept the myth. Like a lot of women will give in to requests to not have a condom because it's been drilled into us since we were very young that the man's experience during sex is the priority
0: you know feel bad they don't want to do they feel bad for them or they feel like it's so strange but honest to god like you think about that right like you think about like oh it's you don't think it feels good it takes too long it's uncomfortable to put it on it's also like you know i've told my kids many times my kids are teenagers they haven't had sex yet but i've told them many times like oh you should be able to see the other person naked with the lights on yeah yeah. If you can't do that, then what are you having sex for? And so yeah, that's not time. Like that it's not time. Like it's yeah. in the dark. You're like, I don't want to like turn the light on and put this condom on. It's like, well, then you shouldn't be having sex with that person.
1: Yeah. That's you know, not, it's so, not time yet. <laughs> yeah. It, it,
0: it's, it's a little bit of like a, they think an intimacy barrier, but to me, it's like that is the intimacy. Barrier. If you can't tell somebody, oh no, you have to wear a condom. And why do men, why would men? want to impregnate women, then we're going into a whole other domain. So, so that to me is also, there is something, there's something that feels to me like that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. They want to impregnate us. They'd rather feel good and impregnate us than not feel good or be embarrassed or be emasculated. Cause it's not
1: emasculating yeah. to get a good p- girl present pregnant. It doesn't make them necessarily it doesn't make so them bad. Right. And I think so. So who knows what's going through their head? A couple of things, I think. One is that if they do impregnate someone, that's her issue. They just don't see it as their issue at all. Then she better get plan B. She better get an abortion. She better deal with the pregnancy. They just do not. It's almost like they can't connect their action to what just happened, like the, their actions, to what just happened. But the other thing is. I've pointed out to men, I'm like, I you know I've talked about the pleasure scale, right? like, let's say 10 is sex without a condom. It's like, great. It's the best pleasure. And let's say zero is like neutral. And we're going to say five is like a good back scratch, back rub something. Okay. So like, where would sex with a condom fall? And my guess, you know, I put this out to the internet and my guess was like maybe a seven and eight. I don't know. I don't have a penis. So I don't know. But interestingly, lots of men again have said, no, no, no. It's a 9.5, 9.8, you just gotta, you know, get to know it. But I pointed out to men that were kind of complaining about having to use condoms that, okay, what you're saying is that you're willing to risk your partner's, her health, her career, her education, her social status, her family relationships, uh, her life. People die from childbirth. You're willing to risk all of that for slightly more pleasure for a few minutes. Like, do you understand that? Like, have you ever thought of it that way that you're saying, I am choosing a few minutes of not just pleasure, but we're already going to experience pleasure with a condom? You're asking for slightly more pleasure for a few minutes, and you're willing to risk her whole life. And of course, they've not thought of that. Of course, they've, I mean, because women haven't thought of that's that. Not like no one in the
0: education.
1: Like, no one has that is, out there. All the education is don't get her
0: pregnant, don't get her pregnant here, and don't have STDs, here, wear a condom. There's no like follow that down the line.
1: Yeah, what does that what look does it look like? Yeah, and once men—not all men—but once men sort of internalize that, the reactions to me have been wonderful. Like, holy cow, I'm going to be more responsible, you know, moving forward. Or even things like I've never paid a dime for my girlfriend's birth control, and I benefit from that. I should be paying half. I should be paying for the transportation, or the or if she has to get work off. I mean, like. There are real costs to maintaining birth control, paying for it, and getting your prescription. And why is the woman dealing with all of that? Why is the woman dealing with all of that and the man benefiting from it and not having to deal with it at all? So, so once men sort of understand the impact of their actions, I think they really are willing to step up in a lot of cases, not all cases, but in a lot of cases. And again, I hope this book will shift the conversation toward that because. I mean, I'm not just trying to get men to step up. I'm also trying to relieve and protect women who have too much burden on them all of the time.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed you're a woman with six kids. I just love this. <laughs> do you think you're an unlikely person to put a book like this out there? Tell me what your thoughts are on that. Cause I just, I, it tickles me. I don't think you are, but I think it tickles me that you're a woman with six
1: kids and you're like ejaculate responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Like in some ways I was the kid that was just like, I've been in charge of like everything since I was in kindergarten. Right. So like the idea that I'm out there telling people what to do and like, you know, sharing thoughts and demanding attention, or whatever, like, that's not a surprise to anyone who's ever known me. But I think, you know, I mentioned I grew up Mormon. Like, I think that like throws people off for sure. Like that. why is the Mormon lady, the Mormon mom talking about ejaculation <laughs> so much on public forums that is mysterious to people. But I can tell you the first time I started sharing the ideas I led with, I'm a mother of six and I'm a Mormon. And I did that for very specific reasons. I want you to know that I'm not anti-family. I'm not anti-having kids. If you want kids, have them. Great. I'm not anti-sex. I'm hoping that paints a picture that, like, obviously, I'm having sex if I have six kids. And I also wanted you to know, I'm Mormon. The reason why is because I know that people associate Mormonism with very conservative politics and with, you know, certainly being anti-abortion. The reality is there are 16 million Mormons. And so there's not like one belief <laughs> belief by them. And even in Utah, where I've lived before, where it's just like, oh, red state, it is a red state. But if you dig deep, there's a huge amount of progressive citizens in Utah. So it's just not as black and white as people think. But I know that if they know I'm a Mormon, they're gonna assume that I'll have a very, a very anti-abortion stance. That's the assumption they're gonna make. And I'm fine if they wanna assume that because I just want them to read these ideas. I just want them to read these ideas. And so if I can get them to read these ideas and I if I tell them I'm, I'm a Mormon and that's going to help them read these ideas. Great. That's terrific. They're going to be surprised. I get accused of being a bad Mormon or like not really a Mormon a lot. because Like, wait a minute. I can see that you're actually, you know, a, a liberal here. But anyway, I just want them to read the thread, because honestly, if people will dig in and not just read the thread, the book, wherever, you know, I've shared these ideas in lots of ways, if they'll read them people don't really argue with them because what's to argue like everyone can get on board with prevention. Like we get it. Like we get prevention for medical things. We get it. And it it takes all the emotion away. If you're not arguing about when does life begin, which we're never going to agree on. If we're not arguing about bodily autonomy, which is just gets people so angry. And we're just talking about prevention. Like all the emotions gone. There's no fetus or baby or anyone to talk about because they haven't been created because <laughs> we have prevented because we used a condom because we you know, got a vasectomy. And it's just like people can just get on board with it. And all this like abortion debate that just goes nowhere and is just frustrating to people. And it's really just a show. It's not actually helping anything. It's not reducing abortion. It's not helping women. It's not doing anything positive. If you can shift the conversation to something more practical and say, like, we know how to solve these problems. Let's talk about how to do that. I feel like people, I mean, I've seen people get on board from all the whole spectrum of opinions because. Well, everyone should get on board
0: Gabrielle, because truly what we're saying here is we're not fighting about when is a fetus, a human. And at what point should you be able to get an abortion? Which I cannot stand because to me, stop moving the goalposts around. To me, it's just, Uh that's a woman's body. It's her choice. I don't, you don't get to decide how it's going to go. Like, uh, no, but you know, you're taking that out of the equation.
1: So
0: if you take that out of the equation. Don't you want people to prevent unwanted pregnancies? Or are you just saying you want women to just birth the nation, have a, you know, have all these babies whether they're 10, 12 or 29? I mean, that to me that's when I know you've gone insane, right? So right. everyone should be able to meet in the middle and this prevention and you know, yes. just like in the beginning, I remember when seatbelts became a thing. That was also in high school for me, yes. and I remember these guys being like, "I don't like to wear it." You know, it doesn't—it doesn't it comfortable. I mean, now yes. people are like, "What are you a jackass?" You know, like, yes. of course you put a stupid seatbelt. But I remember in the beginning, people were very like, "I don't want to wear a seatbelt." So I get that. I get that. But I think in the same way, we need to get on board with this because you're right. It's not just about the pregnancy. It's yes. about the person's whole life. The person's what is whole their life. family going to think? What is their partner going to think? What is their school going like, to think? What are their all of their school. Yeah. The job? It doesn't matter how old you are, the stigma, health problems. Like, what if it's an ectopic pregnancy? Like, I mean, just all of the things. What if your baby's born deaf? Like, I mean, yeah. you just have no control of those things. So for me, the, you're entering the conversation in such a good way because really, this should be the uniter.
1: Yes. This
0: should be yes. the uniter prevention.
1: Yeah. That should be it. Prevention. Prevention. And yeah, and honest, I love that you brought up the seatbelt example. I actually use it in the book because it's Stop so Because it. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I do. I use it in the book because I'm like, no one asked the question, should I wear a seatbelt? No one should be asking the question, should I wear a condom? Like, of course, you should use a condom. It should just be a no-brainer in the same way that a seatbelt is. And we can get society there. I know that we can. I know it. Because of things like seatbelts. And because of things like smoking, I grew up, we were smoking on airplanes, we were smoking, I mean, everyone smoked everywhere. every people were smoking. Yeah, I mean, it was just everyone doctors, I mean, mean, the doctor's smoking, like everyone's smoking. And obviously, that has changed. And I just feel like we have seen societal change, we know it can happen. And it's, I mean, we're not, what we're asking is a really a positive thing. We're saying, You're going to enjoy sex so much more if A, you learn how to use a condom and B, you no longer have to worry about impregnating anyone like men get on board. This is like a positive for you. I promise. And I think we can, I think we can get there. I think we can get there too.
0: Tell me, what is your hope in putting this book out there? Like, because I, you know, this is one of those books that I've already, of course, shared with a bunch of girlfriends. I definitely plan on buying a bunch. I want my kids to read it, all the things, but how would you like it to be used? Because it would I want it, I want people to use this book, right? And create change with it. So what's your like ideal scenario there? I
1: mean, Liz, I could not be thinking bigger. Yes, think <laughs> bigger. I want it, all the big things. Yes, Gary. <laughs> so I can tell you I was so careful writing this book. And that's probably why it has taken me longer than it should have. Because it's not even a big book. Like it's a I kept it short. It's really fast to read. It's enjoyable. Like I hope the title will give you an idea that it is gonna be enjoyable. Like what's the least sexy, funniest way to talk about sex? It's to use the word ejaculate. Like it's yes. just like, there it is. Yeah. And I really made it enjoyable, but remember I have teenagers too. I have six kids, three of them are adults now. Two of them are teenagers and one's a tween. Like they're grown. They have all read the book. They know the, the ideas in this book. And I really had young people in mind as I was writing, trying to keep it so accessible. I want anyone to be able to read this when I talk about sex, it's so straightforward and unsexy. It's like, yep, this is a middle-aged lady talking about sex. Fine. But it's like makes it approachable and not stressful, right? Like I was so careful. There's no like heavy academic language. It's just, I mean, it's just really an enjoyable, quick read. And I was picturing these young people and I was picturing health classes in high schools. And I was picturing That's what I'm thinking. Yes. And I was picturing college campuses and I was literally picturing you know, read this in an evening with your. You could read it aloud as a family in an evening, no problem. And and everyone will laugh, and sometimes they might blush because you know we're not used to hearing some, the word ejaculate so much, or we're not used to hearing some of this stuff. That's fine. But you just feel like, hey, this is out in the open. This is not secretive. This is straightforward. This is knowledge you need to have. And I want you as a parent to be, you know, armed with all the best tools to be a responsible adult. And this is going to help you. And And I know families that have read, you know, what I've written aloud to their kids. And it's, I've heard nothing but positive conversations. It's been really, really great. And they can even read it, like a lot of the stuff on Twitter that I've written. And then it feels more, less like a lecture from your parents and more like just a, you know, a meme on Twitter or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and, and the book is going to feel the same way. Again, it's a small volume, you can keep it in your purse, buy several copies, give them away, send one to your Senator. Send one to Judge Kavanaugh. Send them to everybody. And I'd love I, to send one to Judge Kavanaugh. I want them, I just want it read. I want it to be that when you're talking about abortion, that no one thinks, oh, this is a woman's issue. I want it to be, oh, this is just as much a men's issue. Men could easily at any moment stop abortion. They, there's been 50 years and they've been trying to overturn Roe versus Wade. And they act like it's this big show that they've made this big accomplishment. And by they, I mean the mostly male politicians we have. And I'm mostly thinking of the GOP. And I can tell you at any moment in the last 50 years, they could have easily stopped abortion without mentioning women, without touching abortion law, simply by ejaculating responsibly, simply by making accountability for men, simply by controlling their own bodies. And they've chosen not to, and they're still choosing not to. Like the idea that they actually care about this or want to like see a big reduction in abortions it's I don't believe them they could have at any moment done this this is just a show for them this is a way they get both it's a manipulation tactic it's and- a part of the Christian agenda which I'm a Christian and you know you are
0: too you. and you know nobody is for abortion nobody's over here like you know what I really love it it's the best I hope I everyone it. gets 20 abortions I mean, right you, you don't come to an abortion decision lightly you don't you're not having a bo- abortion like and then you're like pass the salt so right. I don't understand where this has become like, we're like these evil people, the same people that you trust to actually raise a baby. You don't trust them when they are telling you they don't want one. Right. That's actually crazy to me. You yes. need to actually raise a baby, raise a right. human being, right. leave me alone with them all the time. No problem. Right. But when it comes to deciding whether I want one, I'm not, I don't know. I don't think I should be able to get, have that decision on my own. Come on.
1: I, I fully agree. This, this is, this idea I'm going to talk to you about right now isn't in the book, but it's how my brain thinks about it. Because like, we know that um, one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. That's just a stat that's out there. And actually, some numbers are even higher. There's different research on this. but say it's one in four. And that's just the body saying, hey, this egg isn't going to work. It's not going to. This isn't going to happen. They call it a spontaneous abortion as a medical term. And it's a miscarriage. Great. And in my head or the way my brain thinks about it is if a woman chooses an abortion, it's just another form of miscarriage. It's her brain telling her, no. This egg is it's not the time. This is not the right time. This egg cannot thrive. This egg cannot do what it needs to do. And so she has an abortion. And that is the, the same is this equivalent to me. Having a spontaneous abortion via a miscarriage or an elective abortion via your brain telling you to have an abortion is the same thing. It's whatever your body, your brain, your instinct telling you, nope, this isn't the time. This isn't the right egg. This isn't going to happen. And Something's why does not do you right. trust us
0: with that, right? Why? Right. And if they think it's she's
1: crazy. like a distrust of women. Oh, well, 100%. And then, of course, you have to think about that because you're like, if you think she's crazy and you think, oh, she can't be really following her instinct, then why do you want her raising a baby? Which is exactly the point you brought up. Like, why do you want her being a mother if you don't trust her instinct, which is like the same as her mothering instinct? It's just like her human instinct, you know? Right. What I makes know. us mothers to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. Right ridiculous.
0: Well, I pre-ordered my book. I've only said it 17 <laughs> times um, you've done and are doing so many amazing things. Like I've are, now I'm like going deep diving into this alt summit. Cause I hadn't even heard of it before, which apparently I'm under a rock. Cause I told my girlfriend about it. She's like, what is this? I need to go. You gotta um, go. You gotta go. So you do all these amazing things. What's next for you. I mean, I know I'm, I'm assuming you're going on like a to a book tour I don't know if I that's mean, even a thing like anymore I mean, COVID. But.
1: It's, it's tricky being in France right it's not easy yeah. to get around but I will be doing an event at the book launch I'll be in New York that week for Summit, and so I will be doing a big event there and then we're talking about other tours I did a book tour for my last book and my kids were younger then but it was exhausting so I'm like maybe we'll do some digital events or something I oh, will see so, it's just a lot well there's <laughs> <laughs> but my next big thing now that the book is off to the printer and that's all set, you know. Like my, obviously, I'm promoting. It, but my next big thing is Alt Summit, and I haven't been able to do my conference. It's been since you know the last one was the first few days of March, 2020. And so the world shut down like wow. the day after the conference, like yes. I mean, I got, I flew home to France and then like the border shut the next day. It was insane. And so I haven't been able to do it since then. Yeah. We're doing it in New York. It's usually like a several day conference, but we're just doing it one day. Cause I feel like I need to like ease back in. Yes. So it'll be one day in New York, Friday, this October 7th, although there'll be a fun party the night before on Thursday, the 6th, Anyway, and then my book comes out on the fourth, so it's just going to be a fun party week for Good me. Party! Alt Summit is a ton of fun. It's women who create content. It used to, you know, we've been around for a long time. So first, it was like bloggers, and then it was like Pinterest, and then Instagrammers, and you know, right. anyway. And now it's like we see podcasters like yourself. We see people that have Etsy shops. We see people that are, you know, still are like, can I start a blog now? And we're like, yes, of course. You know, like, <laughs> and they're just really creative people in creative fields. And they come and we talk about whatever, you know, is the latest, best thing. We can help them learn new skills as far as like, we'll have like practical classes, like here's how to edit a video or here's how to use a fancy camera or, you know, whatever it might be. But then we'll also have writing classes. So other kinds of, you know, more skills-based that doesn't doesn't take a lot of equipment. And then we'll also have like lots of cool sponsors there that they want to partner with content creators. So they walk away with like, I just cut a deal with this great brand and now we're going to like work on a video series together and anyway that's it's really cool. Really well, it's also a and, great time um, for people to meet each other because I do,
0: you know if, well, at least for me yes. I feel like I'm in a little silo so when I meet another podcaster I'm like what are you what are you doing yes. What's happening with you. Like I you know so it's nice for people to come together that are creators and just all different shop. things and be with yes. their kind of be with their people and and talk to people and
1: yeah that's cool. And we do see a lot of not just brand creator collaborations, but like people meet their business partners there. They like meet their kindred spirit and they're like, let's launch a new, you know, animation series. And like, you know, we've seen people do, uh, I mean, just amazing things. So it's really, really fun. I love it. It'll be fun to be in New York and that's my I next thing. It. I love it. Well, I'm here for all of it. I'm going, we're going into the speed round, Gabrielle. It's party time. Yeah, I'm ready. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Cause you are. I am a warrior woman. Because I figured out what it takes to shift the abortion conversation away from trying to control women's bodies and toward holding men accountable for their actions. <laughs> Boom! I got it. What is a mantra or quote you live by? I don't even know if this counts as a mantra or quote, but I do say to myself a lot and I say to other people ask for what you need. No one can read your mind. And that's in your love life, that's in your business, that's in, you know, ask for what you need. Don't make people a a guess or assume. Ask for the condom. (laughs) Ask for the condom. While we're on the subject. What makes you feel unstoppable? Lately, it's when I see ideas about responsible ejaculation being quoted and shared daily around the world. And they are. And I love it so much. I love it so much.
0: You got to send me some fun things because I will put that on my social media, like some (laughs) quotes of yours. Like, let's make a note because I'd love to do that. I already am kind of sharing from your account. But if you have anything you want, like... I can even like give you a quote or like, we'll talk about that. Like, you know, so like as a person who, uh, once I read it, I can, you know, we can talk about that.
1: What are you most proud of? I mean, my kids are half raised already and I'm just so proud. I love seeing how good and kind and interesting they are. They're just good people. And of course it makes me super proud.
0: That's a good feeling to know you made some good humans. I love that. What keeps you going when you're feeling lost? I added this question. It's funny. It came to me because I thought, oh. In this abortion debate, like a lot of women are like, I am so upset right now. Like, yeah. I cannot believe Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I feel like they're saying I'm less of a person. I'm not even equal to a man. Like, not that we ever were, frankly, but like, you <laughs> know, like they're really, yeah, are t- women are taking this really hard. And I, I'm a coach. I understand that. I feel the weight of this too. So I added yeah. this question and I'm going to keep it
1: for everyone from now on. But what keeps you going when you are feeling lost? I have two strategies. Like, and it depends on the day, which one I'll do. But one of them is if I'm really feeling out of control or angry, I'll make a list and I'm going to like try and break down the list into tasks that are small enough that I can like knock one out of the ballpark instantly. Like go retweet three people. Okay, great. Like, like something where I can just like knock it off. And then that will usually, if I can get something on the list done, it will usually start some momentum and then I can take some action. Sometimes what I need is to take some action. And that, again, might be writing. It might be donating. It might be calling, uh, Who knows, you know, but some kind of action. When I cannot manage that, I'll just give my rest, my brain a rest. I'll binge watch something, take a break, take a walk, call a friend just to chat for no reason, you know, like, and just say, I'm not, I'm just going to check out for a minute. I can't solve this. I'm not going to be able to solve this today. And I need to let my brain rest because I just do not think our Bodies and brains were designed for this much trauma. There's just, it's just a daily onslaught of really hard news right now. It is. And I think,
0: you know, people forget like when you're intaking all the time, right? When, because it's always going in, right? Like it's like, and my friends are so funny. I'm like, you need to not watch the news. They're like, well, how will I find out? I'm like, do you not have a phone? (laughs) That shit comes across the screen every five seconds. I was in Italy. It goes Roe v. Wade overturned on my phone in Italy. There's no Uh that you aren't going to know what's happening. You will. You are going to no. be informed by simply having a phone. So yeah. to take breaks from your phone and take breaks from the news and to go outside and put your feet in the grass and not be just taking in all that media all the time, it really, even for our kids, like that's all they've ever known. You know, to me, I'm like, gosh, it's really important to get off a screen and to like, just be, right? Just be yeah. in stillness. Let's see what ideas are coming to you. See what's going to come out versus always taking in. Yeah. I agree. What's exciting you the most right now? Because I know what's exciting me.
1: I mean, seeing the buzz around my book, it's like it's the day I announced it, which is I, almost the day you reached out, maybe like you reached out right away. Really? So happy. Yeah. You were reached out right away. So I announced the book and I announced pre-orders the same day and it hit number one on Amazon's movers and shakers list like that day. And it made me so happy because I really do want this to you know, move and shake the world. And I was so enthusiastic when you reached out. I just, I can't talk about it enough. I want to talk to everyone about it. I, it's really important. And yeah, what's exciting me is seeing the buzz. I love it. It makes me really, really happy.
0: Well, I'm going to call my podcast, very, very amazing girlfriends. And I'm going to get you on all the podcasts because Thank I could not feel more passionate about this. I Thank just you. am so excited that you're taking this conversation in this direction and making it tangible and making yeah. it readable and making it exactly what we're saying just the turn of a seatbelt. that's all it is it's yeah. we don't need to be talking about fetuses and when does life begin and we don't need to be talking about whether a 10 year old and here's the other problem too you know yes we're talking about condoms blah blah, blah. we can't do anything about rape and incest like that's going to go on no matter what we, it doesn't matter. We can be, those people aren't going to ejaculate responsibly. So we don't have any choice, but we do have this whole other section of choice of people who are They're These men are good men. You know, they're good men. They just need to reframe out and know right. that it's not the seatbelt they're putting on is for us, for women. Yeah. They're putting on a seatbelt for themselves and for us. Yeah. Right. It's not just and,
1: about them. It's about us. And, yeah. And I really do like, Sometimes when people aren't behaving the right way, it's because no one has pointed out to them that there's another way. Like, it's as simple as that. They're not necessarily trying to be a jerk. They're just have never had it pointed out to them that, hey, here's another way you can behave that's better. And that's all we're doing here. It's some men feel attacked by this, but most do not. Most that read it are like, oh yeah, I get it. And I'm so, so glad because it's not supposed to be an attack on men. I'm not saying men, you're doing everything wrong. I'm saying, Hey, women are doing a lot of work over here. Can you please step up and do some of that work? Like, that's all I'm asking, like step up and do your part. And of course, like a decent man's, like, yeah, of course I want to do my part. Great. Great. Then you're on board. You're already on board. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. I think it's just a reframe. It's not a, it's not a blame game. It's a reframe. Woo! There you go.
1: There you go. You got it. Same
0: game reframe. Thank you so much for coming on Gabrielle. And I really mean it. I'm going to, I'm going to do my part in sharing your message and, you know, and getting you on some other podcasts and all the things, not that you need help because you're on fire anyway, but at least in my small way, I want to help you. Liz, it means a ton. Thank you. I really, 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 and thank you for writing this book (laughs) and all your free
1: time. Thanks for the interview and just for offering the support. It really does mean a lot. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, thank you for joining
0: me. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is me, Liz Swadek, Conversations of Warrior Women podcast. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need
1: to ask her. Bye.